Uh, would you turn in your Bibles after you are freed up from the offering place and all that kind of stuff? Uh, would you turn your Bibles to John chapter 1? And uh, we're going to hang out there for uh, the next few weeks. So uh, I hope everyone's been jumping into their authentic life journals. I brought my actual one here, not just a uh, pretend one. So this is the real deal right here. And uh, just want to encourage you, if you haven't uh, jumped into the Authentic Life Journal, uh, I'm calling it a journey because that's what I call everything. But uh, if you haven't jumped into this, please uh, make sure you grab a copy. They're $20, and you can pay by cash, check, credit, debit, e-transfer. Yes, uh, we don't take Bitcoin because those aren't good anymore. But anyways, <laughs> whatever you want. You can trade things. All right, but uh, anyways, there you go. Uh, jump in on this. I just got to say, this has really been blessing me, so that's why I'm talking about it again, all right? Oh, also, this is the whole reason why I, was, I brought this up here. I forgot to print sheets in time for, actually, no, that's not true. I forgot to cut them in time for last Sunday, and so some of you have been following along with the scriptures I've been giving. There's little sheets at the back. You can grab one if you haven't uh, gotten one yet. I sent them out by email and put them on our uh, Facebook page this week, so hopefully, if you need it, you've gotten it, but uh Please grab those. I, please accept my apologies. Uh, Easter was a little crazy, and I got a little overwhelmed, so certain things got uh, fell through the, tr the cracks, and that was one of them. All right? There we go. So let's turn to uh, John chapter 1. Uh, if you could throw up that first slide back there, Haley, I'd appreciate it. Awesome. So uh, dwell, uh, teachings from the Gospel of John. Now, how many of you remember what happened in February this year? Anybody? This isn't good. This isn't good. All right, so the first Sunday, I think it was the first Sunday in February, I started this teaching series called Dwell, and I said we're going to come back to it throughout the year. And so I had this schedule, and I kind of had to change the schedule. So this is actually only the second teaching uh, of this series, but we're going to do it for the next three weeks, and then we're going to come back to it periodically over the, the, the rest of the year, okay? So Dwell. So this is our second uh, part in this series, and these are teachings from the Gospel of John. So you can tell we've been reading the book of John a lot this year. It's where our theme scripture comes from. We've been reading the book of John uh, with our Authentic Life journals, if you've been doing that with the rest of us. And uh, we're also, it's our main, uh, the section of our main teaching series. So we're going to continue this uh, series today, dwell the teachings from the Gospel of John. And uh, I'm excited about this. So there we go. So today's message comes from John 1, chapter 3, ver uh, verses, sorry, John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. So let's read those uh, passages together right now. The words will be on the screen if you need them, but uh, otherwise you can read out of your Bible. It says this, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's read it again. In our Authentic Life journals, we read uh, the, verse, the passages twice, right? So let's, let's read it again. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. How many of you are movie fans? Anybody? I know back in the day you didn't tell people at church you're a movie fan. You just did it in secret. But anyways, I, I, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember that, but I thought it was dumb back then too. Uh, so, okay, so some of us are movie fans. If you're not, it's okay. You, can, you don't have to be a movie fan. But I'm going to date myself slightly here. But one of my favorite movies of all time is Back to the Future. All right? I love it. And I actually, I like all three films, but of course the first one is the best. But I like, I like them all. And uh, one premise in the story of the film, really the main premise is time, right? There's a sense, there's time travel in that film. 
So, of course, today in this first chapter of John, time is put, uh, put front and center in our passages. So, last time we read that in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Today we're looking at John 1, uh, chapter 3, or chapter 1, verse 3, I did it again. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. There's a sense of... Uh, there's a sense in here of time and what happened at the beginning stages of time. Our scripture text tells us that all things were made through him. Well, who is the him? The him is God, right? All things were made through him, him being God. One commentator wrote this. The verb was, ma- the verb was made. So when, when we read uh, all things were made. So w- the ver- when the verb says was made, made, imp- it's in perfect tense in the Greek, which means it is a completed act. So when we read that word made, it's, it's stating a, a proclamation that it is a completed act. Creation is finished. It is not a process still going on, even though God is certainly at work in his creation. Creation is not a process. It is a finished product. Now, some of you may be like, what is he even talking about? This doesn't make any sense. Well, just h- hang with me. But words, I've learned in life, how many of you know that words mean something? Anybody? When someone says something mean to you, what happens? You get a little upset. It hurts, right? Right? And so, you know, so the truth is words mean something. So when we look at this, uh, when the scriptures, all things were made. We've got to look to the Greek and say, well, what does that mean? It means a completed act. It wasn't just an ongoing thing. It isn't a thing still happening. happening. It's a completed act. So last week I read this passage in my message titled Invisible God, and I read part of Colossians chapter 1 to everyone. I'm going to read uh, some of it again today. We're going to read verse 16. It says this in Colossians 1 verse 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Let me read it again. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. I don't watch a lot of uh, documentaries. Well, I watch sports documentaries. I should excuse myself. I watch a lot of those. But I don't watch a lot of, like, learning documentaries. I learn about, I watch, like, how did this championship team win the football? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, woo! But, uh, Anyway, so there's, but there's this one documentary I started watching a couple years ago, and I only watched it one time, but I'm remembering it, because it was, uh, I always like things that are filmed in Canada, right? Like, it's nice seeing other parts of the world, but it's kind of nice knowing what's happening in our own backyard. So there was this documentary about nature being filmed in Canada. It was filmed in uh, Muskoka, and it was like, <laughs> it was this random, uh, uh, like, pond on the side of a highway in, like, Muskoka somewhere, and it was like, what's happening in the pond? And, like, all these things were going on. And uh, I'm, I'm making it a bit more exciting. Anyways, they use these, like, super cool cameras that really, like, go, like, look really close at stuff, right? Like, they get super zoom. I don't even know what they're called. Um, if you're a camera person, you know what I'm talking about. I'm making a disaster of it. It's like macro photography, v- videography. Anyways, and so you saw all these little things. I'm like, man, look at all that cool stuff living in the pond in Muskoka, right? It's cool. Well, when I think of those things, I think of Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible. You see, we live in a world where, well, actually, we, ha- we know this full well because we've all survived COVID, right? We live in a world where the invisible, we know, can wreak havoc in our lives, right? 
And then he goes on to say, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Colossians echoes, Colossians echoes the words of our passage today in the book of John. One commentator wrote, God created all things through Jesus Christ, which means that Jesus is not a created being. He is eternal God. Now let me say that again. Jesus is not a created being. He is eternal God. So here's our first thought today. God has no beginning and no end. How many of you have like, had kids in your life, maybe your own kids or grandkids or like random stray kids that come to your house all the time? How many have had kids around and they're like, they, they're like, what's the meaning of life? Right? Or like some crazy question like, where did I come from? It's like, well, you know, maybe you're not at the right age to learn about all that kind of stuff, you know, or you just don't want to tell them. But, uh, you know, those kinds of questions, right? I remember when I asked my mom some of those questions when I was younger. She tried to explain to me that God kind of, well, not kind of, but God does operate out of the realm of time. And when you're a kid, it's a, you know, it's not that you can't understand it, but it's a challenge, right? You got to be creative with how you teach that to a kid. When I think of the word creator or created, I think of a beginning or in some cases, the beginning. We love creators. Like creators, there's like, there's like YouTube creators now. They've got like their own spot on the internet. Like, you know, Instagram creators, influencer creators, right? All these uh, crazy people, they just videotape themselves all the time. And we watch it like stupid people. Anyways, so when I think of the word creator or creator, I think of a beginning or in some cases, the beginning. I'm going to read a little, I'm going to cite A.W. Tozer a lot today. I'm in a Tozer kick, so watch out. But uh, Tozer describes beginning this way. God had no beginning. Because beginning is a creature word. It means that someone was working or on something. God started to work on it. He worked a while and finished it. And it had a beginning and a finish. And that is a creature word. But God is not a creature. God is the creator. So you never, say, you never can say that God had a beginning. God could not receive anything from anybody because God had all there was. Get back of it all to where God was, and discover that God is the uncaused one. That's a little confusing, right? A little confusing. God is not a creature. God is the creator. I want you to remember that. I love the idea presented to us here that beginning is a creature word. If you use the word beginning in your vocabulary, you're using a creature word. God is not a creature. God is the creator. Now, if you say in the wrong room these days, I'm just being honest with you because i got to be careful sometimes. But if you say God is the creator in the wrong room, you're going to get some people upset. But the word of God tells us, so the, we have to have this, live in this reality that like, we really don't care what the world around us tells us because we, we know what the word of God says. God is the creator. Also, I love the idea that God cannot receive anything from anybody because God had all there was. God, he himself, is an uncreated being. In fact, we can take this line of thinking even further. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that God needs. When I think of the needs of my personal life, the needs of our church, the needs of people in our region, I can't help but think and believe that in God is the ability to supply every one of those needs. Now, there's a flip side to this statement. You and I, we need things, but God needs nothing. He needs nothing. 
In Psalm 50, verse 12, we read, If I were hungry, I would not tell you. This is God speaking to us. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. That's a pretty boss statement, right? If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. God has no need for anything. It's broad, but at the same time, a very specific thought. Again, Tozer writes uh, about this. God's self-sufficiency simply means that he needs nothing outside of himself. For God to suffer a need of any kind would disqualify him from being God. Think about that. If God actually needed something, he wouldn't actually be God. He'd just be like you and me. We need lots of stuff, right? God does not need anything. This is where sometimes we elevate our thinking to a level it should not be. We need things because we need God. Right? That's why we need stuff. Not, not, I'm not talking material things. I'm talking just provision for us to live. We need things because we need God. When we think about giving God something, we are actually playing a trick on our own mind. Think about this. Have you ever heard someone say, I think I'm going to give this to God. He needs it. Think about that. Some of us say things like this sometimes. I'm just going to give it to God. I, you know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it's just we use it in the wrong context. But the truth is, just to always remember, God doesn't need anything. If he does, he's not God. We don't give God anything. We just give or return what he's already given to us. Think about that. I'm going to give to God because he needs it. Actually, no, you're just returning what was his. Right? Again, I'll quote Tozer, every gift anybody ever gave God never enriched him by receiving it. And when God gives anything, he is never any poor for giving it. Think about it. He's never poor for giving what he gives. If you give $10 out of 100, you have what? $90 left, right? And you are $10 poor. But when God gives anything, God does not lose it. He gives without separating himself from it. He gives without loss, and he receives back without gain, because God is all and takes in everything so that he never received anything from anybody that he did not give first. I have a bad comment that I have to keep to myself right now. But I'll say this. Don't we try to do this in our world right now? Think about it. Think deeply for a second. We're not all guilty of it, but some of us are. I won't name any names. It's no one here, just so you know. Yeah, I know. Woo, what a relief. God gives without separating himself from it. Whew. I look at it this way. When you and I give a gift, even a good gift, it hurts, right? We have less because of the gift we gave, right? I, was, I bought these fancy, a couple months ago, I bought these fancy, I, 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 I'm as bad as anyone. I have impulse purchases every once in a while. I do my best, but sometimes I just do things that aren't totally intelligent. Anyways, and so I bought these, uh, and I always get caught up. If you, if you wrap technology with family safety into one package, I'm in trouble, all right? So it's like, well, it's, it would make us safer as a family, and it's cool, right? That's, a, like, that's dangerous for me. All right, so I was in the store. I needed a product. I could have bought one that was a cheap, like a third of the price, but I'm like, no, it's technology, and it's cool, and it'll keep my family safer, so I bought it. And I remember as soon as I bought this item, it wasn't crazy expensive, a couple hundred dollars. When I bought it, I, afterwards, I thought, that hurt. Like, that hurt. Like, I didn't take it back. I used it. It's cool. But, uh, like, 
I was like, that, that hurt. Well, in the same way when you, I guess it was like a gift to myself. When you, when you and I give a gift, even a good gift, it hurts. We have less because of the gift we give. I, we, Arlene and I try to, once the, the fall, especially once the fall starts to hit, we start, try to funnel money for Christmas, right? Because no matter what, there's not enough cash, right? And then we try our best. We try to be frugal and all these things. But so we just try to funnel money. So, and I, I laugh every Christmas. Sometimes, some years, we do really good. We really save up a good amount to do the Christmas gift things for everyone. By the end of it, it's all gone, no matter what happens. And I think, well, I just bought three pieces of Lego. And it's gone, right? It's, it's gone. We have less because of the gift we give. We give, it hurts. That's, I'm going to say something. That's why a lot of cheap people I know don't really give to anyone. And in the chance they do, you hear about it, right? We all get it. When you give, it costs us something, right? It costs us something. Not so for our God in heaven. It doesn't. It never costs us. It never costs something. And he's not, this is where I'm going to get in trouble. He's not just printing money to make it better. All right, I'll leave it there. When you give, it costs something. Not so for our Heavenly Father. He gives out of his abundance, and he is no less God in any capacity because he is given. Think about that. Even when he gives and something comes out of him, he's no less God. He actually hasn't changed his circumstance at all. He's just giving. Isn't that an awesome truth? God gives to us out of his abundance. So our next thought here is this. Life is our light. To live has a sense of existence attached to it. When we, uh, uh, like right now, uh, praise God. Jesus rose from the dead and the warm weather came. Right? Like, come on. This is amazing. Like, holy smokes. I was ready to put my boat in this week, but every time I went, there was a lot of ice, so it didn't work out too well. But I was, I was ready. To live is a sense of existence attached to it. I don't know about you, but I can clean up my property here and there a little bit. What have we been noticing? There's things growing in the ground, right? My allergies started creeping in. I'm like, something's growing, right? And so we see it. To live has a sense of existence attached to it. When something dies, we see that it ceases to exist. Like my lawn in two months, right? I'll just say it. I said it this last week. Jesus is life. In the days in which we live, there has been a lie that has snuck into our collective theology. It sounds nice in songs. It's in songs we sing about God. It's, it's I guess, a nice thought, even though it's ultimately a lie and untrue. But what I'm speaking about, this is what I'm getting at. What I'm speaking about here is this concept that God needs something. Or even further, that God needs us to exist or to operate. Think about that. God does not need you and me to exist. He doesn't. I know it's like, oh, that pastor, that hurts, man. You're really giving it to us today. No, but it's true. We've got to understand our place in things. God does not need us to exist or to operate. It's actually a lie from the enemy in our, our kind of our modern theology that God needs us for something. Oh, God will. He won't do it unless we're here doing it for him. You know what I've kind of been noticing? When I just let God do his thing, things get done, right? Yeah, he needs us to do what he tells us to do, but, like, he just does things. It may hurt my feelings, but God does not need me. If God needed me or he needed anyone else or he needed anything else, he would not be omnipotent. If God needed something like strength, he would still not be omnipotent. Here's what I consider, what I believe a deeper truth 
If God was not omnipotent, he could not be God. Well, let's define this word omnipotent. You may not heard it really before. Omnipotent. It means having unlimited or very great power. That's what the word means. It comes from the Oxford English Dictionary. There you go. I even cited it. And then we think of omniscient, knowing everything. Omniscient means to know everything. Again, from the Oxford English Dictionary. So again, Tozer writes, if, if he needed counsel, he could not be sovereign. Because he therefore would not have his sovereignty. And if he needed wisdom, he could not be omniscient. And if he needed support, he could not be self-existent. God has to be utterly uncreated and self-existent. That is God. It's the way it is. In John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So life is our light. Jesus is life. He is our light. We will follow his leading in our lives. Our next thought is this, not like us. Let's be clear today with one another. God is not like us. He's not. God is not a better version of you and I. He's not. When we think like that, we take our human attributes and place them onto God. I've never met one single person. I want you to think about this. I've never met one single person. Think, have you ever met one single person in our lives and thought, wow, I hope God is like them. Have you ever thought that? Wow, I hope God is like them. Yeah, there's some nice people out there, sure. Wow, they're so amazing. I hope God is just like them. No, no, of course not, right? And if you think that about people, you just don't know them well enough, right? Could you honestly fall down on your knees and worship to a God that looks, sounds, and acts like one of us? Think about it. No, right? Of course not. You may be thinking, well, Pastor Jason, Jesus is like us. I get where you're going. Remember this key difference, though. Jesus is the God-man. He is God in flesh. He still, even though he's God in flesh, he still is not like us. Even though there are physical similarities, Jesus is still not like us. We are made in his image, not the other way around. Tozer goes on to say, I could never get on my knees and pray to God, to a God I had to apologize for or who desperately needed my help. The God who needs my help does not deserve my worship. If God needed me, I could not respect him. And, I could not resp- and if I could not respect him, I could not worship him. Let me say it again. I could never get on my knees and pray to a God I had to apologize for, or who desperately needed my help. A God who needs my help does not deserve my worship. If God needed me, I could not respect him. And if I could not respect him, I could not worship him. Allow me to put it in another perspective. God is is riding above this world. The clouds are but the dust of his feet. How many of you have spent time in the mountains, anywhere in the world? Anybody? A few of us? Okay. I love the mountains. I haven't spent a lot of time there. And by the way, anything around us is not a mountain. All right. I just, we'll just put it out there. There's some nice spots. Oh, yeah. But it's not a mountain. Okay. Like, I'm talking like the mountains, like, try to drive over it. Right. You can't. If you can drive over it, it doesn't count. Even if there's a road, it doesn't count. God is riding above this world. There's this old, uh, I 
think it's Hillsong United song. And it says, uh, it talks about how the earth is uh, God's footstool and the, and the, and the mountains are, is where he rests his feet. It's a beautiful picture. If you've been to the mountains, you've seen the clouds hang low, right? God is riding above this world. The clouds are but the dust of his feet. If we do not follow God the Father, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God loses nothing. He's not less God because he doesn't have you or me in his life, so to speak. God loses nothing, but we do. When we don't have God in our lives, we lose. We lose everything. Remember, if God needs me, I can't respect him. If I can't respect him, I can't worship him. Even without me, even without you, without us, God will still be glorified in his saints and admired by all who in reverence fear him. Even without us, he'll still be worshipped. You see, God is not like us. The God-man, Jesus, is not like us. If he was, he wouldn't be God. Again, let's put things into perspective. I keep saying that. But let's put things in perspective. We're going to do it through this prayer. It says, I'm glad I'm alive. Can anyone testify to that today? I'm glad I'm alive. I am delighted that I was ever created. Thank you, Jesus, that I was created. I am delighted that I was ever born. I am delighted that God ever thought of me before the beginning. I am utterly and completely delighted that God ever made me. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Let me pause there. Before there was a beginning, plan for you and me before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him so when we say cavalier things like we do sometimes like god god has a plan for your life my youth pastor growing up i forget what was it he would use like god has a plan in some way he he meant it but it was became a joke right god has a plan for you right but it's true he does even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before any of this was created, he'd chosen you, every single one of us. Before the uh, beginning of the world, God, th God thought about you and planned your redemption in the pre-creation time. Isn't that amazing? Before anything, before you, you put billions, million, trillion years, I don't care, whatever number you want to pick, I'm good with. Before that, he thought of you and me. He's uniquely made us. I'm reminded in this moment of Psalm 139, verse 15 to 16. Some of you know Psalm 139 real well. This is just a section. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Not, I'm not reading about myself here. I'm reading about every one of us. When as yet they were none of them. Let me, let me read it again. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You see, church, God is not like us. It's actually great news that he's not like us. 
but we must become like him, right? We must become like him. That's why I must decrease so that he can increase in my life. Here's our last thought today, the one that really matters. The worship team could come and just kind of get themselves ready. Without Jesus, we are dead and we live in darkness. We are lost. Let me say it again. Without Jesus, we are dead. Dead and we live in darkness. We are lost. One commentator said, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Did not comprehend can also be translated, did not overcome. The light cannot lose against the darkness. The darkness will never overcome it. Whatever, I, I, whether it's my own children or, or, or people I speak to, we're scared of evil, right? Ultimately, we are. And I have my moments as well. I have anxiety and fears like anybody else. But, but this is what I pray over my own children and my family, our, our students, people in our church. Anyone that would come across that it would share fear with me in some capacity. I would say the light cannot lose against the darkness. Every time someone comes to me, oh, there's evil out there. And I think, who cares? Because we believe the Bible's true. And that means that the light will never be overcome by darkness. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what happens. We win. Because of Jesus. When you are taken over by fear in your life, fear in your life, in whatever capacity, for whatever reason, we need to set our sights on the promise of Scripture. Write it down. Make yourself memorized. Put the words somewhere onto you. Write these words onto your heart. The light, Jesus, cannot lose against the darkness. Darkness, which is evil, the devil, Satan, will never overcome light. He is the king of deception, which tricks us into thinking that some way he's more powerful. Well, pastor, it's been a bad month. Okay, I hear you. But the light cannot be overcome by the darkness. It's impossible. I've been thinking a lot about the phrase, and you'll be familiar with it, win the battle, lose the war lately. Its roots are old and based in wartime analogies. It's really not a biblical principle or analogy in any capacity. It really doesn't have any connection to the Bible. But this is when, when I think of that phrase, I think of this. There's no losing in God's kingdom. It's impossible. I'm, I'm going to say something. Hopefully you find it funny. I can't stand some sports fans like Yankee fans. Can't take Yankee fans or Montreal Canadian fans. Especially this year, those. <laughs> but Yankee fans in particular irritate me. You know, even people, they think it's cool to wear a Yankee hat. You see it around the world. It just, if I'm in, a, if I'm in a, like, Europe or when I've been in Africa or other countries and I see a Yankee hat, oh, I can't speak to you. They don't even know it's a baseball team. They're just wearing the hat. I can't deny the record world championships they have, all that stuff. But here's the truth. Even the Yankees lose sometimes. No matter what analogy you put in front of it, always remember this saving truth. Jesus only needed one chance to defeat hell and the grave. He's won the victory over darkness. It's done. Jesus wins every time. It's over. It's, it's complete. In John chapter 
uh, 20, verse 31, we read, but there was, there are written, uh, excuse me, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why we have this book. That's what's written, so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's active, healing, alive today. He's God. We only achieve any form of life through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. You know, I made this joke. There's this famous TV show these days where they, they, they one, one character says, football is life all the time. Well, Jesus is life. Some people will say food is life. They'll hashtag it on, on social media. Food is life. No, it's not. Sorry. I think I've done that before, actually. We are lifeless without Jesus. You don't have life without Jesus. I'm going to wrap up here, basically. Tozer wrote this, Christ has every claim on you and me. Nobody knows what tomorrow will bring or even tonight or the next hour. Think about that. But there walks among us who walked among the ancient trees. There walks one among us who walked before the world was. Let me read it again. Christ is every claim on you and me. Nobody knows what tomorrow will bring or even tonight or the next hour, but there walks one among us who walked among the ancient trees. There walks one among us who walked before the world was. That's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. Would you stand with me? Let's just have a time of prayer and ministry. And the worship team is going to lead us again. So, Jesus, we pray that you'd come right now. Father, I just really believe that there's a reason why this message was for today. I was kind of asking myself all the last week and a bit when I was thinking about it, like why, why this message, why now, all this stuff. Jesus, I'm just believing today that there's somebody in this room, in Espanola, someone in Little Current, maybe even someone watching online today. They just, they just need to hear it. Lord, I'm even thinking of the people that seem to watch and listen to our messages after the fact, like over the next week. Just kind of blown away that people take time for that. But God, I just pray that you'd speak to them as well. So where does it begin? Well, there's no beginning without you, Jesus. And today, I pray we remember there's no life without Jesus. kind of walking through life without any direction, without any order, without you, Lord. Without any hope is what we're doing. Without you, Lord. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as we have read the scriptures, we've been teaching God's word, your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to each and every one of us. 
that you would strengthen us today. Holy Spirit, would you come? You know, church, I, I, I'll be really transparent with you. I do my best when I speak every Sunday, but it's really the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. I really have nothing to do with it. Whether you thought what I said was good or bad, indifferent, doesn't really matter because it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you come and minister. Thinking of the testimonies we've heard over the last few months, just by your presence on people, people being filled by the Spirit while they're on the road driving back and forth to work. People being filled in the Spirit walking away from our altar times just completely different, transformed. Jesus, we don't want to be here. We don't want like, to waste our time without you. Lord, I think of how busy every person's life is here, whether by choice or just it's, just, it's just where it is. It's just where it's at. But I just pray we take a moment and listen to your spirit speak to us. Lord, I thank you for the amazing things you've spoken over my life just in recent days. I'm so moved by your word strength, your power just in my life and I can only imagine what you're doing in everyone else's so Father I, I pray today that we would receive Holy Spirit come as uh, resurrection, resurrection Sunday was a week ago and we look forward to Pentecost in the next few weeks Holy Spirit pray that as in our parts of the, the world the springtime is coming that We'd focus on your presence. We'd focus on a fresh outpouring. I think of all the things we've witnessed just in this calendar year of, your, your, of you pouring out your spirit on folks in different parts of the world. Jesus, I can say to you with all certainty today that we need a fresh outpouring. Lord, I don't want us gathering. I don't want us meeting. I don't want us hanging out together without your spirit a part of our times. That every one of us would be touched with the amazing sense of your presence, your power in our lives. And God, that we'd be so focused on your plan for our life. Just as we've read today that you were there beginning, before the beginning. I like to say before time began, before existence happened, before creation was created. You were there. So Father, would you be with us, we pray. Holy Spirit, come. Just pray that with me, church. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. You're with us today. Worship team, whenever you're ready, could you lead us?